0: Today, our listeners are going to want to mark their calendars and remember where they were because Kelly and I have called a truce. Temporarily. That's true. This is definitely not a permanent thing. I still think she's wrong on almost everything she says, but indubitably is under attack from outside forces.
1: We have with us today, Crystal and Robbie from the podcast Mind Changers and Great Debaters, a podcast that also tackles and debates controversial topics. Crystal and Robbie, welcome to indubitably. Thank you. Thank you. Before we get into the actual debate, let's give uh, Crystal and Robbie a chance to introduce themselves and the podcast a little bit.
2: So, we are Crystal and Robbie, as they said, and we have our own podcast called Mind Changers Great Debaters. We actually just kind of got the idea to debate because we used to work together. We sat next to each other and we gave our coworkers a free eight hour show every day where we just debated. Anything and everything. And sometimes even when we're agreeing, we were arguing.
0: I hope that they're all subscribers now, your former coworkers?
2: Uh, I think most of them, yeah. Most yeah, of them.
0: I'd be really disappointed if they weren't. Yeah, they should be. <laughs> Definitely, I would recommend uh, listening to their show. I've listened to a couple episodes myself. They had a really cool one on whether or not words are bad, which is something we might have to steal, Kelly,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> in the future and do an episode on that ourselves. And also, I think that both of our podcasts have done a show on the dangers of artificial intelligence, and it was kind of neat to just hear somebody else in a debate setting take the same topic, but discuss it in a totally different manner. So that was, a, that was a fun listen for me, and I think our listeners might enjoy that as well. And we've brought them on today to be debating us on the motion that the plastic surgery industry is predatory. That debate will take form through a combination of speeches and question and answer sections, And at the end, we'd love to hear who you, the listeners, all thought won.
1: We are also expecting our faithful and dubitably listeners to do the right thing here and affirm that uh, Josh and I are the dominant party in this debate.
0: (laughs) So welcome to the show, but we hope that we beat you. (laughs) Challenge is accepted.
2: Well, sometimes Robbie and I argue against ourselves and we end up beating each other. We end up beating ourselves. It's a tie. It's a loss. It's everything in between. So who knows?
3: (laughs) I, I will never concede. Crystal's the only one that's debated herself and lost.
2: I did debate myself and I did lose, yes. Extra, extra, read all about
3: it. Podcast tackles
0: controversies that define your world. Listen
1: to incubitably now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Enough with the pleasantries. We are going to get into battle, as Joshua affectionately calls it most of the time.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the topic today, as we've mentioned, is whether or not cosmetic surgery is predatory. We stand on the affirmation here that it is predatory. And to kick off the actual debate. Josh is going to introduce the topic via his first argumentative speech.
0: All right. Thanks, Kelly, Crystal, Robbie. Be nice to us. (laughs) Here we go. The cosmetic surgery industry is a beast that preys on the self-esteem, insecurities, and mental health of people to coerce us onto the operating table where we give up thousands of dollars to have dangerous and invasive procedures performed on our bodies. Like any effective predator, This hunt is completely controlled from beginning to end. The beauty industry, alongside Hollywood and increasingly social media, establish impossible beauty standards that no real person could ever hope to meet, but incessantly drive forward the message that you, as a human, are of less worth if you do not look like these images that you see plastered in advertisements on your TV or phone screens. But never fear, there is hope. Because doctors in their pristine lab coats armed with testimonials and before and afters of supposedly satisfied patients appear to tell you that they have the answer to the hideous question that is, why don't I look like that? And like most traps, once they have you in it, you'll never get out. Because they know what you'll come to find out, and that is, the promise that someday you could look like the movie stars and models that you covet is addictive. The vast majority of people that put themselves in harm's way do not just do it once, they are victimized by this industry on multiple occasions. I wanted in my first speech here to outline in more detail a couple of the ways that cosmetic surgery sets and springs its trap for us. To clarify up front, we're not talking about reconstructive or medically necessary procedures. There are a lot of surgeons out there doing amazing work to help restore or improve people's lives who might have issues with congenital deformities tumors from cancer or trauma, birth defects, etc. I think that we're all familiar with the types of procedures Kelly and I do have issues with, though. The boob jobs, the Brazilian butt lifts, liposuction, facelifts. Basically, take a look at Kim Kardashian, and anything you see there is what we're talking about. So what exactly makes something predatory, and why does cosmetic surgery meet that standard? Firstly, It needs to, in some way, manipulate or coerce its victims into making a quote-unquote choice that they likely wouldn't be making with their free will otherwise. Then it finds a way to take advantage of that choice, capitalizing on the situation to their benefit and the victim's detriment. And the coercion here is key, because the argument in favor of the industry is centered on the concept of choice. Yes, individuals that undergo plastic surgery can spend obscene amounts of money on it, Yes, they put themselves in a dangerous situation. Cosmetic surgery is an invasive surgery, and that always comes with risks. Hematoma or seroma, which is a condition where bodily fluids pool beneath the surface of the skin, and this occurs in 15 to 30% of tummy tuck patients. Nerve damage, scarring, infection, which occurs in up to 2.5% of breast augmentation patients and can be internal and severe enough to require intravenous antibiotics to attempt to cure. Even death is a very real possibility. Brazilian butt lifts have a mortality rate of 1 in 3,000, even when performed by a board-certified plastic surgeon. And it goes up when you include other doctors who people are trusting to perform this procedure because they do it for cheaper. And I know that 3,000 seems like a really large number, but if you are that one or your family member is the one, those other 2,999 that survived are not of much comfort to you. But you decided to go through with this, knowing all that you know, it was your choice. That is what the industry will tell you. That's likely what Crystal and Robbie will tell you. This is where the idea of coercion comes in. And there is precedence for similar situations where we hold one party responsible for manipulating the actions of another, even if that second party technically had a choice whether or not to do what they did. One example that comes to mind is entrapment. Entrapment is a defense against a criminal charge on the theory that government agents may not originate a criminal design, implant in an innocent person's mind the disposition to commit criminal act, and then induce the commission of crime so that the government may prosecute. Basically, you can literally choose to break the law, but be free from prosecution because the government recognized that for a choice to be legitimate, it has to be free from manipulation. A similar policy would be the bans on gambling that exist in the majority of the states in the U.S. Once again, people choose to gamble, and yet also once again, that choice is not entirely legitimate. There is high enough levels of addiction that exist to undermine the concept of free will here. That rush of chasing a dream that you could make it big and live the rest of your life like the high rollers you see with fancy cars, private jets, or big houses— So, so similar to the dream that someday you could wake up from anesthesia with the perfect breasts, symmetrical face, or celebrity nose. While the plastic surgery industry certainly isn't alone in propagating impossible beauty standards onto our society, they certainly contribute more than their fair share to it. And definitely look to seek out those who are most vulnerable to its influence and take advantage of them. Those with the lowest self-esteem. Those living with psychological conditions of body dysmorphia. Those who are told they're only valuable by virtue of their physical attractiveness. It's painful how the desperate quest for beauty can be so ugly. And the plastic surgery industry that takes advantage of that is without a doubt
3: predatory. All right. So as we just very eloquently heard from Josh, uh, some uh, reasons that cosmetic surgery may be predatory. There is another side to this coin, and you will hear from Crystal from our side, and she'll give you our first rebuttal or different interpretation of how cosmetic surgery is used worldwide. Crystal?
2: Yeah, so I would say that plastic surgery is not predatory. And I'm going to just begin because um, as all of our listeners know, we love definitions. We love getting held up on semantics, technicalities. That is our bread and butter. (laughs) So we've got two main types of plastic surgery. You have cosmetic, and it seems like that is mostly what Josh touched on was purely cosmetic surgery. But the other side of plastic surgery is reconstructive surgery. So by definition, and this comes from the American Board of Plastic Surgery, reconstructive surgery is done to repair a body part after an accident or a disease, whereas cosmetic surgery is done simply to enhance the appearance. So a majority of these surgeries may be cosmetic, but plastic surgery in and of itself is not purely predatory. It's not purely seeking for appearance. Um, there are instances where it is reconstructive. Um, there is a difference between just simply cosmetic and plastic surgery. So I think it's important that we separate the two out, that it's not just cosmetic surgery entirely equals plastic surgery. There's a difference. Cosmetic is like a subcategory of plastic surgery. So what we would argue is that plastic surgery is not predatory because it's initial purpose was for reconstructive. So plastic surgery traces its roots to World War I and reconstructing injured soldiers. The other thing that I would like to note is that it, I don't think that the prevalence of it makes it enough to apply to be predatory. So only 4% of Americans have had plastic surgery. And those who have had plastic surgery view it more positively than those who have not. So I think that kind of ties into Josh's argument that one in 3000 people may die. I understand what you're saying that one in 3000, if you're impacted as that one, then that obviously would have, you'd have a negative view of plastic surgery, but overall, even the people that are getting it, they feel better. And maybe that ties into your argument about addiction, but anybody who's like ever known an addict, they're typically not proud or happy to be an addict so i don't know of those 4% how many of those are repeat customers i couldn't find any statistics on that but overall i don't think that the prevalence of it makes it enough to be predatory like i would argue that like our our iPhones addictive sure because what like 50% of the world has them so i would say the prevalence of that you know we're all victims of whatever you want to call it advertising or whatever we all fall into it we all fall prey to it but This isn't one that I think is that case. There are also a total of uh, 14 reasons that patients would consider reconstructive or some of these could be considered cosmetic, but the, the 14 biggest reasons for plastic surgery are accidents, birth defects, cancer, skin removal, after weight loss, post liposuction, skin removal. Physical pain, improved appearance, functional restoration, functional restoration with cosmetic benefits. It's a non invasive alternative in some circumstances, depending on the surgery, enhanced emotional well being. Um, and it's a long term solution to a lot of these issues. Um, and it's more often now covered by insurance. It's especially covered if it is reconstructive. Cosmetic, I still don't think is. I couldn't find any actual statistics on that, but. By and large, it seems like cosmetic isn't covered by insurance, but, um, all of those things, you're just talking about the like improvement of your life. You know, like if you were in an accident, if you were maimed and this is actually what, well, it's what I still do for work is dealing with auto accidents. This is how Robbie and I met. It's what he did. And uh, people are are greatly impacted by accidents. Sometimes, you know, you could have like a scar on your face from a cut and you would want to get that. Fix You would want to go back to how your life was before that, because every time you look in the mirror, you're reliving that accident. So it goes hand in hand with a lot of mental issues as well. Once you have an accident or a traumatic experience like that, that you want to move forward. I think it's a, I think that in that case, reconstructive surgery is a good thing because it's allowing you to restore and go back to your life. And I would say that that's not predatory. to to try to get you back to to normal and to feeling like yourself. Thank you, Crystal,
1: for your speech. Now we're going to go into a portion of the debate in which our challengers get to actually call each other's arguments and points into question via our cross-examination period. What we're going to see is that each speaker that you just heard from is going to go back and forth asking questions of the other to kind of interrogate those points and find out some structural weaknesses of them, I'm sure.
0: No structural weaknesses for our speeches. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she heard, Crystal, but I thought our speeches were perfect.
2: Yeah, I agree. I was flying by there. So
0: <laughs> that that being said, I do have a couple of questions for you. Uh, one, you talked a lot about reconstructive surgery as opposed to cosmetic surgery. Isn't it possible that we can keep the positive of reconstructive surgery, which you know we agreed in our speech is definitely a good thing? while still admitting that there is this predatory side of the industry, the cosmetic side of the industry? I'm
2: just not comfortable calling it predatory. And I also feel like if you're saying the plastic surgery industry, then I think that it should be better defined. So overall, if you're saying this plastic surgery industry is predatory, that I can't agree with because I think that by and large its purpose and what it is there for is for reconstructive and is to overall help people. Um, I think that you're going to have in any field, you're going to have predators of some variety. So I think that's unavoidable. I don't think that it's necessarily the fault of the industry either. I think that there's way more uh, outside influences as to why people, you know, hate themselves or feel that they need to change themselves. I don't think that it's like a doctor's responsibility. If you come to them and say, Hey, I'd like a facelift. I don't think it's their responsibility to be like, Hey, well, why do you hate yourself? So I guess you didn't really touch much on reconstructive surgery. So are you completely negating that there are any sort of benefits or like positive, like that there's any silver lining to this industry?
0: Well, I think that, you know, you pointed out that it might have begun with reconstruction as it's focused, but I think it's pretty clear that it's evolved or, you know, like morphed into this, the monster that it is now, where when people do think plastic surgery, they think boob jobs and facelifts and nose jobs. And so I think, you know, without a doubt, the way that it's seen is is largely predatory now. And I think that you could, like I asked in my first question, you could keep all the benefits of reconstruction while still trying to eliminate or point out the fact that the majority of it is predatory.
2: But do you think that it's the industry's fault that it's become viewed as predatory?
0: I do. So, you know, you mentioned in your speech a couple people who they say they feel good after they've had this done. But I think the reason they feel good is because they're getting closer to the beauty standards that they've been told is how they're supposed to look. Right, So instead of a, an industry saying, hey, maybe you should be valuing just a realistic view of what people look like, the industry is like, no, no, we're going to double down on what you're being told. We're going to double down on that's how you're supposed to look. And we're going to make money off of these people who are the most vulnerable to that kind of messaging. All right? Don't you think that there's some responsibility, like some level of predation there when that's the response they have to somebody coming to them in like that desperate of a situation?
2: I I don't actually, because I think that there is a point where it's not, it's not the surgeon's responsibility. Like if you come to them and this is something that is covered and it's something that you can argue is going to improve your life. I think that that's what it's there for. I don't think that it's largely predatory. I think that the way people can use things can be viewed that way, but I don't think it's the industry's fault. And I don't, I don't think that they're to blame for it. I think that by and large, it's a societal issue. It doesn't stem directly from the doctors because those doctors take an oath. You know, they just, most, most people in general, I think want to do the right thing and and want to, to do good when given an opportunity. I don't think that they're like, oh, I just want to make this, this woman feel inferior and I need her to keep coming back. I want her to feel uglier even after I charge her $100,000 for whatever this is.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think Kelly's giving the next speech. I I have faith in my partner that she'll be able to tackle that in her next speech. Kelly, you want to take this on?
2: We'll see.
1: Before I get into some new material that expands upon what Josh brought us and dive a little more deeply into the topic of addiction and how predation and addiction go hand in hand, I do want to refute a little bit of what we heard from the first speech from Crystal. So what they do in negation of the actual topic as a whole is focused so heavily on the reconstruction aspect of it which more or less concedes the predation of the cosmetic aspect of it. So that's giving us an easier job. But I think that they're asking of us a higher burden, which I think I'm prepared to fulfill, which is to talk about how reconstructive surgery in a plastic surgery industry can also be predatory. Now, Josh and I agree that in a lot of cases, the types of surgeries that we're discussing here serve a functional need and make people's lives easier because it prevents them from experiencing the restrictions of like physical barriers. However, we also see a lot of the predation of the cosmetic surgery industry when it comes to reconstruction to get people back to quote unquote normal, or put them back into a homogenized Western beauty standard because scars are unsightly. It doesn't matter if like plate glass came through your face, like my grandmother had happened to her, you know. It's uh, you don't look like a normal person anymore. So you need to have that fixed and you're going to have to spend like $10,000 to do it. That's where we think that there's a big problem here. No matter what type of surgery we're talking about, whether it's cosmetic or reconstruction is that there is a, a creep towards making everybody look the same and telling people that they don't serve a function in society anymore. If they don't adhere to those strict Western beauty standards. If it's a functional need, if it means that they can actually perform their job duties or live a normal life again, I don't think anybody's going to come up here and say that that kind of surgery is wrong. But the industry as a whole does not stop there, and that's what makes it a predatory industry. We hear a little bit from Crystal about the origins of plastic surgery and how the prevalence of it is really not that big of a deal overall, only about 4% of Americans overall do it. And that means the addiction rate's probably pretty minor if there is addiction at all. I'm going to respond to that a little bit more later, but what we're hearing here especially on this idea that nobody is proud to be an addict, but people are proud to get things like plastic surgery is I don't think that people understand that this is a way in which addiction can manifest itself. A lot of people only think of addiction in terms of substance abuse or other behaviors that do not like look like self-improvement because that's what the packaging of plastic surgery has been is to make it look like self-improvement. We also uh, with the idea of The 14 reasons that people choose cosmetic surgery or plastic surgery as a whole, I think we can agree that the analysis here is that some of these surgeries are definitely improvements for people, but the people who perform these types of surgeries have a motive outside of just making people's lives more functional and making sure that they extract as much profit from their clients as possible. So I'm going to talk about addiction now. First, the idea of cosmetic surgery in and of itself is that you will inherently have repeat customers. The procedures almost universally lack permanence. Facelifts are not forever as skin degrades. Breast implants have to be replaced or fully removed within 10 to 20 years. So necessarily you're signing up for at least another surgery if you get the first one. Fillers dissolve and disperse quite a bit. So people have to go and get them redone constantly. Liposuction isn't even permanent because while those fat cells are gone, the remaining fat cells can still grow. So the actual industry itself is a self-perpetuating one when we're looking at the majority of the cosmetic surgeries we're talking about. Why this is a problem is the second issue we'll be discussing on this topic of body dysmorphia. About 15% of the plastic surgery patients in America have body dysmorphia disorder or BDD. Uh, fewer than 10% of the people who have BDD who get cosmetic surgery are happy with the results that they get. The, they often feel that it makes their uh, body dysmorphia worse, and and then they, it drives them to get more and more surgery to correct the things that are wrong with them. And there's a disincentive for physicians to adequately screen for body dysmorphia because that is going to directly affect their profit motive. But let's talk about the actual industry predation that proves that that's the case. There are honorable doctors who will refuse additional procedures for people who have repeated surgeries or have presented clear mental health problems, but there are dishonorable doctors who won't. And that's why the industry as a whole is problematic is because it has resulted in a race to the bottom. Patients will go to foreign doctors to get the cosmetic surgery they can't get domestically because one, it's cheaper. And two, they often are not screened the same way that they would be in American hospitals. 3 million Americans uh, in 2016 undertook foreign cosmetic surgery for those exact reasons. That cheaper surgery means you can afford more of it and less stringent screening means that you are not going to be excluded because you have a mental health issue. The industry is full of bottom feeders and ultimately the people who are victimized by this are the people who are told you are not good enough in the way that you currently present yourself. And we're going to fix you. We're either going to make you more normal or more beautiful. And who are they to decide what both normal and beautiful actually mean? For all of the reasons that Josh talked about when we're talking about what actually defines predation in an industry and the statistics that we brought forth that actually prove that this industry is not serving people adequately, very proud to continue the proposition of this argument.
2: Well, certainly some interesting points, um, but I think that we saved the best for last here in our um, initial speeches. As here we go with the guy that always has an argument for anything. You ready, Robbie? I'm ready. Here's Robbie.
3: All right, so I'm going. I'm going last, obviously. So I'm batting cleanup. Yeah. So we've heard a lot of talk tonight about the word predatory or predation, and all those kind of things. But let's actually define the word predatory. The definition, as comes to us by the dictionary.com, the internet, but a dictionary nonetheless, is seeking to exploit or oppress others. Now, my first point on this would simply be that the people that get plastic surgery oftentimes, especially as Josh referenced in his opening arguments, the Kim Kardashians of the world, they are not, in, in my view, being oppressed or being exploited. They have a lot of money. They can spend that money however they'd like to. So if Kim Kardashian and all the people in Hollywood and upper class individuals in America or wherever want to spend money to achieve whatever beauty standard they believe they're trying to achieve, it should be their right to do it. So that, so I don't believe it's it's predatory just based on the definition that. I don't know that the doctors that are performing these surgeries are out to exploit people. They're out to make money. And if people want to give them money and have them perform these surgeries, we live in a free country where you can do whatever you want. You should be allowed to do whatever you want. Also, I don't believe that, that the surgeries, as the second part of this definition, is oppressive. It's not oppressing anyone if people want to get voluntary surgery. No one is being made to get the surgery or coerced in my view in any way. If they want to get surgery to achieve whatever beauty standard they want, they certainly can. The next point I would make is that doctors that perform cosmetic surgery as well as reconstructive surgery, um, they get paid out of insurance. Now, please, you know, as you're listening up, so you can certainly fact check me, but it would seem to me that a doctor, just as far as insurance goes, especially as working in car insurance, you make more money When a body shop, for example, in the car industry, where they don't go through insurance, you're going to make more money because you're able to do it to private customers. You can charge more. Insurance companies have a lot of say on what things cost, what they're willing to pay. So as a cosmetic surgeon or as a reconstructive surgeon, you would look to have both streams of income. You'd want to do the reconstructive surgery to help those that really needed it. But why would you not want to also make a living on your own? It's it's certainly your right to do that. Now, I don't know of any cosmetic surgeons that are out there promoting this on the web, on on the internet I don't see a lot of cosmetic surgery commercials I don't notice that cosmetic surgery is promoted maybe by people that have gotten it such as the Hollywood elites or those type of people but that's not on the industry that's a different conversation about who we look up to in American society and who we want to follow after it's a totally different discussion the industry I don't believe at least I've not seen any Heavy commercials into cosmetic surgery specifically. Another point I would like to bring up is that at, of all the cosmetic surgeries in the United States in 2020, 6.8 million were reconstructed. So about 20 million cosmetic surgeries took place in the United States. 6.8 million were reconstructed. Almost half of the surgeries had nothing to do with, so, I mean, reconstructive generally is, I think we would say, a good thing, um, as opposed to the more. What they would call what Josh and Kelly call them more predatory would be the cosmetic surgeries. Well, almost half of the surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, are reconstructive. And again, these are good. I know that Kelly brought up some points about how even reconstructive surgery could be predatory because you're trying to make someone look back to normal, or they're not happy with maybe who they are or what they look like after maybe a major accident. But well, I think that may be the case, I don't think overwhelmingly that's the case. So you have things like children, for example. There was a, there was a child that I knew. He got a really bad burn in his leg. He stuck his foot in, on a burner or something. Burned his leg, third-degree burns. He needed a reconstructive surgery to put skin back on his leg where it was injured. Um, another case of this, so you have things like burns. Another case of, of this is like cleft palate or those kind of birth defects. Reconstructive surgery can correct those things. Um the last thing that I'll mention on the reconstructive surgery piece, and I think Josh and Kelly both touched on this, is the um the boob job. While most of those, I would say probably a majority, although I don't have the statistics in front of me, a majority of those, yes, probably are vanity-based or trying to look a certain way. However, there is a contingency within reconstructive surgery where women do get boob jobs for the sake of looking normal again because they've had both are one cut off due to breast cancer. So these are women that want to do that to then look like they did before the surgery. And plastic surgery or reconstructive surgery is becoming a more and more common thing within the entire taking care of a cancer patient. Because cancer does leave a lot of scars, leaves a lot of deformities potentially in your body that reconstructive surgery or cosmetic surgery can help and take care of. Um, the only other thing I would say, and I think I'll pose this to Kelly in my questions, is it also is an issue of freedom. In America and other parts of the world, for sure, you have the freedom to do whatever you'd like to do. And I think we should be allowed to do whatever we want to do, obviously, as an adult. I'm not talking about people you know under the age of 18 or not adults, but as adults, we should have the freedom to do whatever we'd like to do, whatever. And if that makes us feel good and you're an adult and you want to do it, That's something you should be able to pursue.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Kelly and Robbie, for the speeches. Thank you, Kelly, just a little bit more. Sorry, Robbie. (laughs) And uh, now it's your chance, the two of you, to question each other in the cross-examination period. Kelly, get him.
1: Hey, Robbie. Uh, I have a question for you about freedom. Do we ever restrict any rights in even a free country like America?
3: Uh, Yeah, we do. But what, but, what I would, but then I would say, what rights will you specifically be talking about? As adults, I don't know that we have very many rights restricted at all. I would ask as a counter to that, then what rights, what would be an example of that that you would say, rights that would be restricted as adults, yeah, that you would use an example for that question that you've asked?
1: Sure, there's a perfectly good example that relates to actually plastic surgery. There are some people who believe that they will re- receive Psychological benefits and feel the best that they can in their appearance if they undergo limb loss. There are people who actively seek limb removal as a means of finding peace with their bodies. They have some sort of objection to having specific limbs or digits. But doctors don't perform that surgery, even though these people are going into it clear headed and without any psychological issue. They just feel like they would be better off without a
3: limb. So, why aren't they performing those kinds of surgeries? Two things, I think. One is that obviously a doctor took, you know, the, whatever the oath is called to do no harm. So I think medically, we know those things cause harm. Like they literally cause harm. Like if you were to lose a limb, you wouldn't be able to do certain things. Um, so I think that's the difference. Just getting a cosmetic surgery doesn't restrict you to do anything. It doesn't cause your body any type of um, harm per se. Now, obviously, there are complications, but in and of itself, it doesn't necessarily harm your body. Um, but also I would say there is an argument that could potentially be made. I don't know that I'm gonna make it or that I'm making it, but if you wanted to lose a limb, I mean, in a free country and you're an adult and you want to make that choice, who's to say you couldn't make that choice? I would al- I would also add one other thing to, to that is those people that want to lose limbs, you would say maybe have a mental health condition of some kind. I think that's the rarity. So to call a whole industry predatory based on a small minority of cases that may occur, I think is, is unfair.
1: But you disagree that the industry has a problem when 15% of people who seek plastic surgery have a demonstrable disorder for body dysmorphia. It's a situation in which they're treating the issue of body dysmorphia through cosmetic surgery rather than psychological counseling or medication or actual doctor interventions with the disorder itself. So
3: I think the question would be, is what the, the, body dysmorphia piece there, what of those 15%, how many doc, how many of those do doctors actually turn away and say, well, this is, this is an issue. Like if you have body dysmorphia and you feel like you need a big, bigger butt or a different face, right? Like some people go crazy with this. You know, they want to look like Barbies, right. Or whatever, but they still, they're still allowed to do that. I mean, I don't know that that's, That's necessarily wrong. I mean, I think body dysmorphia, if we're talking about them harming themselves, chopping off a limb, doing something like that, I I would agree. But if they just want to radically alter their appearance and that also falls in a category of body dysmorphia, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that.
1: Now that we've gotten through a little bit more clash with that cross-examination period, we'll go back into speeches. Restarting with Josh, who will give another stunning speech in defense of our side of the topic.
0: Oh my gosh, so much pressure. I want to start my second speech. It's going to seem a little bit weird at first, but stick with me by talking about Cecil the lion. Cecil was a male lion living in Zimbabwe. That is until about 2015 when a dentist from the United States went over there and shot him dead because he wanted a trophy to hang on his wall. It was determined that this killing was completely legal because this sort of big game hunting is allowed in Zimbabwe. However, there was a massive public outcry condemning this dentist because there's a difference between legal and moral. I think that's what needs to be understood about plastic surgery. Because Walter Palmer, boo, the man who killed Cecil, used the same defense that Crystal and Robbie have given here on behalf of cosmetic surgeons. Because plastic surgery is legal, they say, Because surgeons aren't the only ones promoting unhealthy beauty standards, apparently then, they are not culpable for performing these procedures. I'm calling shenanigans here. Just because you didn't create the system in which you prey on the most vulnerable members of society does not mean that you are not a predator. Robbie gave us a definition of predatory in his last speech that I think is great. He said it was seeking to exploit or oppress others. So let's talk about this for a second and see if what Kelly and I are posing to you match this definition. 92% of people who have gotten these procedures are women. Let's think about why this might be for a second. If this was a free and uninfluenced choice, wouldn't this number be roughly 50-50? The reason that the number is so heavily imbalanced towards women is because women live even more holistically in a world that defines their worth based on their appearance. One of those women is Kim Kardashian, who we were told proves that this is not predatory because of the amount of money that she makes and the celebrity she enjoys. But she's in an interesting position of being both victim and victimizer at the same time. She's made a living off of her appearance. And while it has certainly treated her well, it has come with drawbacks. Her and her family, in large part, popularized the Brazilian butt lift. I mean, I've been tempted a couple times, but now that that procedure has become so popular, they no longer look like trendsetters. They look like the rest of the masses who have followed suit in getting the surgery done. Now, Kim Kardashian has to get this surgery reversed. She has to go under the knife another time. Even someone in her privileged position has been trapped by this system. But more importantly than that, she has contributed to the victimization of the rest of the women who make up the 92% of recipients of these surgeries. Alongside the plastic surgeons themselves, the Kardashians are a part of the machine that creates this system of predation. Crystal and Robbie seem to think that, well, as long as it's out there, what are these surgeons supposed to do about it? I'd like to give the answer to that question in the last part of my speech here. I'd like to talk a little bit about an alternative world that could exist. Kelly brought this up in the questions that she asked to Robbie. She said, well, how about when 15% of people that get these surgeries done do it to address underlying psychological conditions, issues of body dysmorphia, how about instead of cutting them open, we treat the condition itself, which is inherently psychological, not physical. Why don't people that go to medical school, instead of taking a route that's going to cause them to make money and put people in a more difficult situation and take advantage of the insecurities people have, why don't they put their medical degree towards actually curing these people into potential psychological cures toward the underlying conditions that exist? Why don't we put ourselves towards removing the standards that push people towards these surgeries in the first place? There's been a lot of pushes towards advertisements that are more body positive, that reflect real people, Massive chains have shifted their advertising away from unhealthy and irresponsible images of what women could look like, or quote unquote, according to them, should look like, to what women actually look like. So I think that this rhetoric around, well, because this is the way the world is, there's nothing we can do about it. And then because of that, we are therefore not predatory, could shift to, this is the way the world is, and we could be putting our efforts towards fixing it. So I don't think that you get to use the world and the system around you as a cop-out to show that you are not exploitative or oppressive. I think that very clearly these two words, which make up the definition Robbie gave us as predatory, applies to individuals who see a system that is problematic. And instead of trying to do something about it, they choose to use it to their own advantage at the detriment of the most vulnerable in society.
3: Well, that was another Excellent speech, although I'm sure we'll fall subpar compared to what Crystal's about to break down. <laughs> so, Crystal, the floor is back over to you.
2: Thank you. I'm glad that Josh actually brought up uh, legal versus moral, because I will agree that there is a big difference between legal and moral. And just because you can do something, should you? I think it's a line in Robbie's all-time favorite film. We spent so much time asking if we could, we didn't ask if we should. Jurassic Park. Park. There it is. And I think that is kind of the same thing. But also, a big piece of what women deal with from a young age is appearance bullying, appearance bullying is the most prevalent form of bullying so whether we want to acknowledge it or not and we we want to we may not want to say that it should matter appearance does matter so if you have someone who's had like a scar or something you know that's kind of set them aside uh i don't want to use the term like normal because i i don't think that that's fair to anybody but you want to use i guess terms of you want to feel good about yourself. So if that's something that you have been bullied for, you've had like a scar or a deformity of some sort, and you've been bullied for it your whole life, you want to feel good about yourself. So let's just even take away this notion of like, you want to feel normal. You want to feel like you fit in. You, I think that ultimately you want to feel like you're not going to be bullied, and that that's not the first thing somebody notices about you. You want to blend in, you want to just fix or repair, or just not notice it. And that's why I brought up accidents in the first place, because yeah, it's expensive, obviously, if you're in an accident. And something happens and changes you, but the bigger piece of that is the mental health aspect of it, where you are reliving that trauma. If you are in a car accident, that causes the same amount of PTSD cases. I actually read—I don't have an article to reference on this, but I read this recently for work that car accidents have as high an amount of PTSD diagnoses uh, diagnoses as um, soldiers returning from war. So. If you are in a car accident and you have a scar on your face, now, every single time you look in the mirror, you're reliving that accident. That's incredibly traumatic for you. You probably already think about that accident every day. So the sooner that you could remove that and get back to healing and functioning in the way that you did prior to having PTSD you would say that that's positive. So that also kind of ties into like the appearance. Like if you go out in public and people don't know you had this accident, I'm not going to justify this. I don't think it's right to bully anybody for what they look like or for anything, really. I don't, I don't, I think all four of us, I would hope can stand on the side of we're against bullying, but it doesn't matter what it's for. If you could do something to change, you know, the, the likelihood that you're about to be bullied, I think anybody would. So again, it doesn't matter. We can sit here and say it shouldn't matter. You shouldn't bully people for their appearance. People still do it and you're never going to change the world on that. So should you take away the option to repair or heal or move forward and get yourself in a position where you're happier, you're more confident, you feel better about yourself, maybe you'll still say, well, that's a predatory industry. It doesn't make a difference as to to who it is. I don't think the doctors are bullying people into getting these surgeries, but I think that an informed preference should be respected overall is just how I would like to wrap that up. That if you go to a doctor and you say, I would really like it if people stopped making fun of me for X, Y, and Z, And he says, well, I can't help you with Y and Z, but X, I can fix that. I think that we should definitely, you know, let somebody explore that.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that, Crystal, even if it means that you're rebutting my speech. (laughs) And for the next cross-examination period that we have, it's actually going to be all four of us. So this is about to be madness, but should be fun. Let's go ahead and start round
3: three of our battle here. I do have a question for you guys, but I want to start out by thanking you that you conceded the debate during your last speech, Josh, because that that was important, and I appreciate that, because I think the thing that we're all saying, and that you and Kelly have referenced a number of times, is not that the industry is predatory, but that the world in and of itself is predatory, that advertisements, all these things, they prey on people to then get these surgeries, so my question for you guys is, how would you... How do you separate that out? How can how can you say or how can you think about it that it's the industry when really it seems to me what you're saying is it's really just the world bullies, other outside forces. And this this industry just gives you an outlet. The
1: industry exploits that is the thing. The industry perpetuates the issue by being complicit in the actual change of people's physical bodies to conform to these unrealistic standards. If people no longer became homogenized little Kim Kardashian clones, the entire industry would fail and the surgeons need to be there to perpetuate the actual issue of exploitation and predation.
0: Mm -hmm. I think the follow-up question to to reverse that is, if we could agree that the world would be a better place, if we all worked together to unpack unreasonable and unhealthy standards of beauty... If that is something we want to strive for, then isn't it damaging or one might even say predatory for an industry to work against that goal?
3: The question I have is, and and the thing that I think hasn't been drawn a distinction between is how have you demonstrated that the industry is except for the fact that they will give you the surgery that you want. You could say that a lot of things are predatory. Getting tattoos are like everything is predatory. Buying iPhone could be predatory. People go buy phones over feeding themselves or having other things like people will buy a thousand dollar phone over doing other things that they might be better served of. So you call almost anything predatory.
0: Right. But buying an iPhone lets them listen to the indubitably debate (laughs) podcast or the mind changes and great debaters podcast. So totally different. That's fair.
3: That's fair.
1: Well, I have a question to, to respond to that. What say you to the idea that Josh brought up, it's useless to find the chicken and egg of what actually caused the predatory situation. But the fact that people are actively exploiting it to their own financial gain and perpetuate their own business by, by continuing to perform surgeries that need to be redone, can it be a predatory industry if people are just joining up after it became predatory? Or must we have like this discussion about, like is it actually capitalism that's the problem?
3: Well, I think as Crystal pointed out, it didn't start off this way, whether, and I don't know if we know the answer, if it was a doctor, if it was Kim Kardashian herself, so somebody came along and decided to use this for other things than the way it originated, which I think that's the thing. The whole industry originated to be reconstructive and to help people. And as always, with I think a lot of the things that that people do, they take it too far and they, they corrupt it. And then it becomes this thing that it isn't any good and as we know in america and most of the world if somebody can make money at it they're going to try and make money at it
2: that's it. that's the other thing i i think that there's a, a a point where you could say any single profession can begin to like indoctrinate or prey upon like it could literally be anything you could take the most innocuous job and say that this person is going to be indoctrinating all these other people and spreading this out there. So I don't think that like the surgeons should be held accountable because you may have one or two, but by and large, I think that you have an industry, especially today with all these medical advancements that in theory, people should be much happier because you can go to a doctor. You can say, Hey, I've got this scar. Can you fix it? Like I don't see an issue with most of these sort of surgeries. Like you have, you know, especially in Western culture, you have things like gender affirming surgeries. You have, um, when you have a mastectomy uh, for cancer, you have, I, I know somebody who had um, skin cancer on his nose and his nose needed to be removed and they were able to then reconstruct a nose. So, like, if you eliminate the industry and you say that by and large this is predatory, then you take somebody like that and now their quality of life is diminished just because they can't live fully and happily because you took away this option for them because a doctor was giving too many boob jobs.
0: I think your your implication here is that as plastic surgery and boob jobs spread and nose jobs spread and, and butt lifts spread is that people should be more satisfied now than they used to be. But society at large is less satisfied with the way that they look. Doesn't that seem to suggest that this is something that is you know, self-fulfilling, you're left constantly wanting more, you're left addicted to it. And this supposed service that they're providing isn't anything other than exploitative.
2: Well, again, the the amount of people who Americans who have had plastic surgery is only 4%. So I also kind of struggle with like calling it predatory because I think that prevalence should be weighed when you're talking about predation. If only 4% of people have had it, I just don't know that it's success. Like, how successfully predatory is it? If only four percent of people have gotten it,
1: only one percent of Americans are in prison. But I think we can all agree the prison industrial complex is a little exploitative, too.
2: Yeah, but that's that's a a, a Pandora's box that I don't think we've got one night to <laughs> to tackle.
0: The thing that I'm having issue with is throughout the speeches, it's, it seems to feel as though you're saying there's no alternative to this, like the world sucks, uh, you know, these beauty standards are out there. So there's nothing we can do about it. But in my last speech, I talk about the alternatives and the way in which individual doctors that might be choosing different medical paths, or even huge corporations that instead of putting up, you know, Victoria's Secret style, Barbie style models are starting to promote healthier body images and, and real people as their models, when there are healthy alternatives like this, can you still say to the people who promote unhealthy standards that, ah, you know, that's just how things are. So there's nothing they could
3: do about it. So, of course, it's not their fault. But see, that becomes my question. As far as I know, Victoria's Secret doesn't run a plastic surgery clinic and doesn't associate with one. So it seems to me the argument can be made that Victoria's Secret is predatory. But not the plastic surgery. I mean, because the plastic surgeons and the industry aren't running Victoria's Secret or Sports Illustrated or any of these other things that, at one point, to your point, it is evolving, but at one point promoted a very specific model of beauty specifically for women. So they're not connected with the surgeons, as far as I know. They're promoting something to sell clothes or magazines. And then an industry that was originally reconstructive, then if you're going to if you go to a doctor and say, hey, will you do this for me? Why should he turn that business down?
0: Is the argument there that because somebody else is creating 30 percent of the problem and you're only creating like 10 percent of the problem, therefore you're not culpable anymore?
3: You could be culpable. OK, you could be culpable in terms of not solving a problem that everybody would admit we have in society. I could give you that. So you could be culpable, but that doesn't make you a predator. Like that doesn't make you a predator just because you're culpable of something that I think we all agree is these impossible beauty standards are terrible for society. But just because you may be culpable in continuing that, it doesn't mean that you're going out there and preying on people to make sure that it continues.
1: But you discussed in your own speech that you don't see plastic surgery ads There's a multi multifaceted profit motive. I don't know how it is where you live, but I have plastic surgeon ads on my television all of the time. The fact that there is a profit motive means it's an industry that wants to perpetuate itself and sees potential patients as more or less the prey that is going to continue to fuel their business. You don't see how any complicit profit motive engagement with this at all
2: advertising to people is in any sense predatory. It actually is interesting because we're on the East coast and we legitimately do not see plastic surgery ads. So that is quite interesting that you guys do see it. That's so true. I'm not going to take away, like maybe it is more prevalent where you are and that might tie into, I don't know, it's 4% of Americans, but I don't know of that 4%, is it higher? Like, Is it lesser where we are? Because that's just overall 4%, but is there a higher concentration of it out on the West coast? Maybe.
0: I guess the real thing that's being said here is apparently people on the East coast look better than people on the West coast and they don't need (laughs) these procedures as much
3: as we do. That's not, that's not true. What's really being said (laughs) is people on the East coast just might not care as much.
2: (laughs) I thought Robbie was going to say, because he's technically from the Midwest What he was going to argue is that no, no people in the Midwest are the most attractive. Let's not (laughs) forget.
0: That's the time on our last kind of grand cross-examination period. So now we're going to have our final summary speeches, starting this time with the opposition. So I believe that would be Robbie. And then finishing with Kelly. So Robbie, you've got
3: three minutes. Maybe you could tell us why you hate Cecil the lion.
2: I oh, could. He hates animals.
3: So I'll start off by saying I do not believe that Cecil the lion deserved to die. So let's just all agree on that. <laughs> um, but I would also say in summary, again, I th- I think the major summary point for our side of the debate is well, I agree. Kelly and Josh have brought up um, good, interesting points. I think they haven't quite demonstrated the direct link between the industry and the surgeons being predatory versus the, the beauty industry. If you want to say maybe the beauty industry in, in totality with models and magazine covers and Hollywood and all these things, that industry being predatory that the people that like Kim Kardashian and the the models, that the people that get the plastic surgery are wealthy, they can afford it and pay for it. They have gotten it done. And then they are perpetuating that and telling you, if you want to look as good as me, then have these surgeries. That you could make an argument for being predatory. As far as the actual doctors and surgeon and the hospital facilities, I don't know that they've drawn a clear link between that being predatory versus society and, in general, having a, predatory aspect to it because companies, no matter what company it is, are trying to get you to buy more, to look different, to be better. That includes that goes all the way from something like Victoria's Secrets to Facebook. Everybody, every company is trying to get you to buy more and do more and be more. Um and maybe, and that might be a huge problem in predatory. But again, just a summary, I don't think that Kelly and Josh have drawn a great line that doctors and the hospitals and the medical facilities are being predatory simply because they're offering things that free people who have the right to decide to do want done.
0: All right. Thank you, Robbie, for summarizing your side for us. And Kelly, here's our last chance to prove to all the listeners that we reign supreme.
1: What we've been hearing is, Josh and Kelly, you guys are just blaming the wrong folks. That's essentially what the argument against this industry being predatory has been is we're misattributing who the actual culprits are. I'm going to take it back a step and I'm going to say that beauty is like the woods. There's more than one predator. What we ultimately see here is that there are going to be the scavengers and there are going to be the predators and it's all an interconnected system. And ultimately I don't want to be caught in it alone. What we see when we're talking about The fact that doctors are complicit in an industry that benefits from the exploitative practices of other industries like lingerie stores and whatnot is that somehow, according to Crystal and Robbie, that that means that they are not themselves predators. Doctors are just benevolently carrying out the wishes of people who are coming to these conclusions because other people are shaping those opinions for them. Kim Kardashian is shaping those opinions for them. And refusing to accept that the plastic surgery industry has in any way contributed to the shaping of those perceptions or desires. We know that that's not true. There's a profit motive. There's a race to the bottom when it comes to the type of service provided. And ultimately, the fact that there are multiple predators means that the doctors who perform these surgeries against the better wishes of of most of society and against the mental health practices that they should be uh, protecting uh, for these patients, they are as complicit as all of the other factors of the industry and they are predators as well. Ultimately, the doctors could be the place that this has the line drawn. We can have all of these fucked up beauty standards that we want to adhere to because we're told that that's how people should look. And the doctors could say, no, that's not how we're going to do things we're going to screen you better for mental health. We're going to make sure that that is the priority of how we're addressing any of the issues that you have. We'll continue to do the reconstructions that mean you have a functional life, but we're not going to perform any more Brazilian butt lifts. So ultimately what I'm saying is when it comes to actual beauty standards and the perceptions that we want to adhere to because of the industries as a whole, doctors could reshape everything by just cutting off the head of the snake here. If we have no more people. have these unrealistic beauty standards walking out of plastic surgery offices, then we have less of an example of the things that we are currently decrying on both sides here. What I'm saying is doctors should reshape the industry instead of reshaping our asses.
0: Kelly, thank you for that. Finishing up the debate strong for Team Indubitably. And thank you once again to Crystal and Robbie for joining us. I would invite our listeners to check them out they are on spotify at mind changers and great debaters it was a lot of fun hopefully we can have you both on again and if our subscribers make the wrong decision and say you won this debate we'll definitely be looking for a rematch
1: hopefully we can have another debate round in the future which somehow motivates josh to look up more information on kim kardashian than he probably ever thought he would
0: Uh, Let us know who you think won today's debate. Was it Kelly and myself or was it Robbie and Crystal? You can do that on Facebook at IndubitablyPod. You can do that on Twitter at IndubitablyPod. And we hesitantly look forward to seeing your responses. Until next time, Crystal, Robbie, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. It was
2: awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: And Kelly, thanks for being my partner this time.
1: Yeah, but, you know, tomorrow's another day, Josh.
0: Truce is officially (laughs) over. (laughs) Ha, <laughs>